It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' collapse against San Jose. Plus, look back at a wild win over the Oilers. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here. Seeing as we're a little bit late, you know, not quite Tuesday morning. It'll be a little closer to Tuesday afternoon. Because somebody has to work a job and be at the Jets game. So not going to name names, but somebody's causing the delay of the episode and starting to walk around like he owns the place. So I might, I might have to tune somebody up in a little bit here. Well, um, maybe maybe if the Jets didn't blow uh, one, yeah. <laughs> didn't let the goal with five seconds left or whatever, I would have been out of there a little earlier. Touche, touche. <laughs> And and let's get right into it, Tice. Uh, it'll be a bit of a, a short one here today because we're dropping it a little bit late. Tyson's so choked, just just sickening here. He doesn't even know what a mute button is either. Apparently, um, so Tyson's choking. The Jets are choking. Everybody's choking. It, it really was a tale of two games, though. I thought Tyson and and we were talking right before we got on. And you, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but you said something along the lines of, you know, nothing really happened through the majority of the game. And, I mean, you're kind of right, but in a, in a good way for the Jets. Because we almost have to break down two separate games. The first 58 minutes that I, I, I thought went pretty damn well, but it all gets flushed down the drain because... Once again, this team does a reversion of what we had seen for so long under Paul Maurice. Just crap the bed with a late lead. You give up a cheap goal with just a handful of seconds left. Once again to the Sharks. I don't know what it is with the Sharks and the Jets and the Sharks breaking hearts here in Winnipeg. But you give up that cheap one there, and then it kind of seemed predetermined that San Jose was going to find a way to pick up that extra bonus point as well. Um, I mean, let's start with the... The sequence everybody's talking about, the end of the game there. San Jose pulls the goalie with about a minute and a half, a little bit under two minutes left there. And a Winnipeg Jets team that has designs on going deep in the playoffs defended like crap against one of the five worst teams in the NHL this season. What what happened? Like, what what, what went wrong? And look, it's, it's one thing to get hemmed in, 
because generally teams pull the goalie six on five. You know, they're going to get their chances a little bit. But but Winnipeg couldn't even touch the puck, couldn't win a battle, couldn't do anything right. You're going to have a lead late in a playoff game against a Dallas, a Minnesota, a Colorado, a Vegas. You can't stop San Jose. Let's not even bother showing up against one of those teams. Yeah, and there were some questionable decisions with that empty net too. Like when we saw that Blake Wheeler had a, had the puck along the boards, there was a there was a guy a little like there's some separation between him and the last D man, and then there was another guy back. But but I do think that he had Dubois as an outlet there. I think he could have dished it off, or at worst, off the boards. Right, like there's for me where he was in that spot, there was absolutely zero reason to be shooting for the net there. And the Jets have one of the best penalty kills in the league, and most of the time we don't see a lot of those penalty killers out there for the empty net. Besides Lowry, like I, I it really kind of blows my mind. I don't understand why Blake Wheeler is out there in these kind of situations at this point in his career. He's just the legs aren't there. There's just like it's just those kind of personnel decisions too. And then you put on the fact that Eric Carlson, a guy who's one of the best at getting pucks through the net, has 15 feet in front of him. Well, There's and no- and to your to your point, Tyson, who's covering him on that play? Exactly. It's Blake Wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and I, I I think there there are so many things that go into a collapse like this. Like, it's not just one thing. Um, and you're right in terms of some of the decisions that were made there on the ice in the last handful of minutes against San Jose. But to, to me, the lion's share of the blame falls on Rick Bonus. He just he made he made bad personnel decisions. He made bad line changes in the last minute of the game. And I, I made sure I always do this too when this comes up because unfortunately I have experience in doing this. But in the past when the Jets would blow a lead laid, uh, blow a lead late in the game. People would always, you know, back on 1290, they'd always say, like, what, what the hell is this guy doing out there? I'd go back to see what the shifts were just before that because sometimes, you know, you put out your big dogs. They get tired. You have to go to your second tertiary players. A, a coach has limited options sometimes. But if you take a look at the shift chart, Tyson, right before the goal, the forward group that was out there was Shifley, Connor, Niederreiter. And that was about with three minutes left to go in the game. Like at that point, Rick Bonus has the entire bench to choose from in terms of his forward group. He could choose anybody. And it's not like the fourth line, for example, was out there recently. And, you know, you can't give some of your muckers and grinders a chance. Basically, his entire team was at his disposal there. And and that was the group that he chose. And and really, it's, I, I, I would say it's more so just the decision to choose Blake Wheeler. Because having Lowry out there makes all the sense in the world. He's he's your your shutdown guy. No problems there. I mean, I, I don't mind Dubois. You have to have another centerman out there, right? And maybe Dubois has a little more experience playing out there on the wing as opposed to Stenland at that point. So that that to me makes a little bit of sense too. But Tyson, you've got let's go up and down the list here. Morgan Barron, a big boy that can play out on the wall there. Nemesis he was having a good game, game too. Barron Baron was maybe the best Jet on the ice, right? In terms of the forward group. Well, there was one other guy that we'll touch on a little bit later. But you have Morgan Barron. You have Nemesnikov. You have Mason Appleton. I mean, even Menelainen in that situation who's helped to 
you know, has, has played a huge role in the team's penalty kill being so good this season as well. You might put all of those guys ahead of Blake Wheeler at this point in his career. There was there was just no need to put him out there at that time. I don't get what the reasoning and the rationale is for that, but I, I think that played a massive role in terms, I mean, you touched on some of the plays there, let alone the awful defending on Eric Carlson. Sure, it's a, a bad break on a, you know, kind of a broken play and everything like that. But but you're right. Wheeler's given him acres of space. And, I mean, if Carlson unloads on that shot, he might end up scoring and getting it through anyways. So it was it was just bad decision-making by Rick Bonus in terms of his forward selection with Blake Wheeler being out there. And I, I would say the same on the blue line. Neil Pionk shouldn't be out there defending a lead late. I, like, that's that's not even his game, let alone the fact that he's been so, so up and down, more more so down throughout the course of this season. But is that not the time for Brendan Dillon to shine? Like, isn't that the point of having Brendan Dillon on the team? Is for him to be a mountain out there and physical and clear the front of the net, right? Like, to to me, he's the guy you absolutely throw out there. And, And I think Dylan Sandberg would, you know, fill those shoes pretty adequately as well. But Brendan Dillon's, like, Brendan Dillon came off the ice with three and a half minutes to go. Why is he not out there for the final minute with Josh Morrissey? Why is Dylan DeMello? Why is he not out there with Josh Morrissey? His regular partner. Like Neil Pionk might be the worst person to put out there at that time out of the blue liners that you had. So so I I think Rick Bonus deserves a ton of the blame on this. I I I just don't it's one thing to get scored on late. Sometimes things happen. But did the Jets put their best five-man group out there on the ice at that point in the game? I would say hell no. Wasn't wasn't good enough. And, and it's gotta be better. It's not again. If it's not good against San Jose, it's not going to be good against some of the other teams they'll be facing late in the year. Yeah, and Brendan Dillon's been a part of some of those situations for good hockey clubs like with San Jose and Washington in the playoffs. So I mean, he's no, he knows what it takes yeah. to win games at the end. Like that's, and it's just to me that th- these kind of games are where things kind of can spiral a bit. Like it, it's just you have a tough game against Minnesota on Wednesday. Viral more, <laughs> and well, well, to be now we got Nashville, who's what five points back or six, four points back with or six points back with four games in hand. So I mean, you, you're banking on them winning a lot of games in hand there, but they're six, right sorry, there. six, six points back, three games in hand. But go ahead, right? Go, gotcha. So you're they're right in the mix there now, and you you got to win games. You got to start winning these games, and they're only going to get tougher as the as the season goes on. And now you, you're seeing that these kind of basement dweller teams they're playing they're playing shocker like chicago upsets ottawa last night and then no one saw that coming like where they rip them five nothing so now these kind of bottom seller teams who have guys who are fighting for roster spots next year they have things to play for that all of these games coming forward are going to start getting tougher and tougher and it's going to be a real test for this team and what team are we going to get are we going to get the one yesterday where they had long sustained pre- like points of the game where they were sustaining pressure and possessing the puck, like in the second period. I mean, they only had 11 shots, but they pretty much had the puck the whole period. Like, uh, and the second period was a good period. But then the third comes around, and then it was it was all right the first half of the third, and then things kind of started to dwindle. Like, it's just start things kind of start to... As soon as the pressure comes, they almost start to seem to wilt a little bit. And that's a really big problem going into these into these high pressure games 
these playoff games, how are you going to stand up to this pressure? Are you going to accept it, or are you just going to kind of wilt under the pressure? It'll be interesting to see. Well, um, if you were looking at teams just below the Jets in the standings right now, Tyson's right. It's kind of getting a little bit scary. I mean, Calgary's... Again, Calgary picked up that win late against Dallas with a couple of seconds left. I mean, they're probably still okay. I don't love the Nashville games in hand, but again, the Preds were sellers. Like, you, you should be okay, right? Should be. But the, the reason those points are so valuable is that, I mean, two reasons. One, you have that wild win against Edmonton, right? Where, it, to me, look, it wasn't a perfect game, but those can be springboard games where you win something like that, the boys get all jacked up, and it's like, okay, let's go on a bit of a run here. And, and you kill the momentum from that. But two is... This next stretch of games here is kind of terrifying for Winnipeg, right? Like, these are the games you bank the points on. And look, playoff spot, whatever. The Jets can still get home ice in round one. Like, you know, with all their faults, there's there's still, like, to get home ice against a Minnesota or a Dallas in all probability would be pretty big for the team and, and you know, might be the, the differentiator in, in winning the, a playoff series if they get to that point. But you got Minnesota in town. Uh, Wednesday night, the five after that, Florida battling for their lives, Tampa, they've got a pretty good track record of being good, Carolina, uh uh-oh, terrifying, those are all on the road, that's okay, the Jets come back home to face the greatest team that's ever been assembled in the Boston Bruins, and then a matchup against Nashville right after that, so, (laughs) you better find a way quick to get this one back on track here, um, at least the offense got going against Edmonton. And you're right, Tyson. I mean, take a step back for a second. They did play good for the majority of this game. It's just so damn frustrating when they do the same things over and over again. And it seemed like they had gotten rid of this. It seemed like they had overcome this mental block late in the game. And, and and you have ugly things like this pop up again. It's just a missed opportunity. And I'll tell you what, if they end up losing a a game five or a game seven on the road in round one, this, this might be a game you look back on and say, boy, oh boy, an extra point or two would have been nice to take down Minnesota on home ice instead of heading down south to travel for that one. So we'll see what happens here. But um, yeah, pretty damn frustrating into that game when uh, you should cruise and uh, coast away to two full points there without needing extra time to get it done. Um, we'll break down just a little bit more from that game, a little bit about the Edmonton game as well before a busy week for the Jets continues. But before we do that... We do got to give a uh, shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where the action never ends. Tons to bet on right now. And why not take advantage by making, if you're a new customer, a risk-free bet up to 1K? That's right. First bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in anyway. So why not take advantage of that? You can throw down on all the major action with DK, baseball right around the corner, golf, an absolute beauty at Bay Hill last week. Uh, so plenty of things to throw down there. MMA as well, a big John Jones knockout, like Tice said, would take place. No, I, I I said gone head kick KO. Oh, did you? Oh, you suck then. Never mind. And, and it, was a, that. it was a guillotine by John Sub. Uh, I I, just, I said knock. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't. I, I saw John Jones do the interview after. So I he, you won. Whatever. Maybe don't bet on MMA with us. Other sports you could bet on. Um, I'm 13, 15 and two this year. Just missed that one. 
still an L, still an L. Um, biggest game of the night on Tuesday, Sabres Islanders. Ooh, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I, I, that that to me is too much of a hard bet. Like I, I, I want Buffalo to win. They had that tough one against Edmonton uh, on on Monday night there, but hopefully the Sabres can get it done against the Isle and make the playoff push out east a little more interesting. You can bet on that and everything else with our friends over at DK. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So there was a couple positives like we touched on in this game. We'll get to that in a sec. But one thing happened, especially late, I mean, really throughout the whole game, reared its head late in the game once again. And it's been a sticking point for a lot of Jets fans pretty much since their existence in 2.0 here in Winnipeg. But where do you stand, Tyson, on the importance of face-offs? Uh, the, the reason I say that is because I don't know, not even necessarily old-school people, but I would say the majority of fans put an emphasis on the importance of face-offs, while analytics people might say, Meh, <laughs> right? Like it's not as important as a lot of people might think. It's also a little difficult to make that argument when the Jets lose every freaking faceoff um, in the last five minutes of that game, and then of course San Jose scores on a faceoff win inside the Jet zone. But like, wh- where do you stand on that? Is it like, is this is this a critical error with the Jets? Well, or when you're losing, well, meh. Well, when you're losing close to seventy percent of the draws in the game, that's a problem. <laughs> like that is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And especially they lost every draw at the end. Like and I, clean, clean yeah. too. These were big and that was that's another thing that we talked about heading into the deadline was needing that's why Taves was intriguing because he had that face off ability and that's why you needed you almost needed instead of a guy like Nemesnikov, just a guy who can slide in take those draws. I mean it's a little hindsight's twenty twenty there, but a, a guy that could step in those late key faceoff draws with Adam Lowry, and even Adam Lowry, he hasn't been all that good this year in the faceoff dot, which you would, which is kind of hard to imagine because he's such a big boy. Yeah, but he, I mean, just just for the stats, I mean, Kevin Stenland is the best faceoff guy on the Jets right now at fifty one point seven, which is okay to good. Um, the rest of the three big guys are all below fifty percent. Lowry forty nine three. Dubois, 49. Shifley is 47. And even David Gustafson, who was a scratch, was at 46. Like, the Jets, people, like, the Jets do suck at face-offs. <laughs> like, that is an inarguable point. And I, I do, like, to, to me, even just bringing in a fourth-line guy for, like, a sixth or a seventh-round pick who just specifically can win draws, I think, I think, I think that might have been something Chevy could have pulled off. Um, it's something that has to be... I, like either Shafley and Dubois. I mean, but but I mean, maybe Dubois, but probably not. But like at this point, Shafley and Lowry are almost thirty. Like they're just they're going to be okay faceoff guys. To to me, it's got to come from outside the organization at this point if you want to get a little bit stronger on the dot there. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in between on faceoffs. Like to me, their overall importance, like over the course of a game, are overstated. Like people, like for the most part, faceoffs are kind of just. I mean, 
they are a puck battle in a sense, but a lot of them are kind of scrums and some like it, it, it's it's not super super positive uh, or super often that you know just clean draw away we go here we move the puck up. Plus, you know, as 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 people with experience with the Philadelphia Flyers, um, they've been awful for about a half dozen years now, and they constantly led the league in faceoff win percentage. Arizona did as well for a long long time too. Like it doesn't correlate to puck possession and eventually wins and offense and everything like that. But I think where I stand is while I don't believe they're extremely important, it would be nice to have one guy that could win a freaking draw. <laughs> like just have one guy on the roster that you trust to win 55% of them. Right. Like that, that, that to me is, is where in terms of roster building, you need to have a guy that specifically does that because at the very least, if you have somebody that's good at face-offs, legitimately good, Maybe the Sharks don't win four in a row cleanly with two minutes left, right? And maybe you don't win every draw, but at the very least, you make it a little more difficult for them to get some um, some structure and, you know, try to create offense quickly. At least you make life a little more difficult on them, if not just flat out, you know, clear the zone, score, win the game right off the bat there. So be nice. I think it's a bit of a misstep from Chevy at the same time, though. I mean, I, I, I would have been... I would have been placing all my effort and time and, and energy into getting that second pair defenseman to come in and shore up this blue line here. So maybe he had bigger plans on hand, but That's it's it. It, it's going to be a problem the rest of the year for the Jets. There is nothing they can do about it at this point. And that's the problem too, is that that this team could have used a defenseman there in those last couple minutes too. A guy who's pretty good at getting the puck out. Well, that's exactly it, Tyson. Because if you got a Chikrin, or a Provorov, or name your high-end guy somewhere around the NHL, it's more seeing that guy out there on the ice. I, I, I don't think the Jets get scored on if that's the case. And so at that point, too, you feel comfortable with two different pairings, right? You don't have to load up if you're Rick Bonus. You can say Morrissey DeMello, comfy with them, X guy and Dylan Schmidt, whoever it is, you, you still feel pretty good about either one of those pairings. So, yeah. Um, once again, the deadline biting the Jets in the ass a little bit here. Uh, it'll be intriguing to see what they try to do because in the playoffs, those situations come up all the time late in games. The games get tight. Um, don't know if we're going to see Kevin Stenland step up to the plate there. You just might might need Shafley to want to figure it out in the next month or so. And, you know, I, I don't know if Yannick Pro was out there or anything like that. He was the, oh. the face-off mastermind that helped Crosby become one of the best in the league. Maybe the Jets can give Yannick Perot, a cool schmill to, to come in and try to save the day on that. Um, a lot of negatives in the game for sure. To be the biggest positive, though, Nino is good at hockey. <laughs> he, he had a monster game. He's so good. Like that, Chevy, in my opinion, deserves a lot of flack for how the deadline and the lack of activity has gone over the last little while. But just a grand slam with Nino. And then he was a beast. He can shoot the puck like an animal too. Like he's got a really, really heavy wrist shot. And last night's game was the perfect um, describer of what he can bring on ice to this Winnipeg Jets team. And he's going to be a tremendously impactful piece for as long as he's in the city. Yeah, no, it was a huge ad. And he kind of just brings everything that the Jets needed at that point to a guy who can, guy who can shoot the puck, a guy who can win the board battles. He's sound defensively. And he's he just adds a different element to that top six that they were kind of lacking a bit. A guy who's a veteran who's been in these situations before, and he's 
been a consistent goal scorer in this league. Like he's scored 20 goals, I believe, six times in his career. He's going to do it again. Like Nino Niederreiter just does the little things too, where he's constantly in the right spot. He's looking for chances. He's looking for guys. And he does have a little bit of playmaking ability too. Like we saw in the Edmonton game where he was a little nice touch pass to Shifley off a turnover for a goal. Like it's just, he does all the little things right. And then, and then some. And it's just kind of the perfect complimentary piece for the Jets' top six. And I think he's going to see a lot more minutes coming his way for coming forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going to play over Blake Wheeler late in the game. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. He, he's a pro's pro, right? Like, he just – it's a guy that just gets it. Yeah. Like it, it. You almost need a Nino on every team, like, if you want to be a successful forward group out there. I, I love everything about his game. Great, absolutely great. Great acquisition by Kevin Chevalier, and I thought his best game as a Winnipeg Jet so far. And I think in a big way, he helped Nikolai Ehlers have one of his most impactful games in quite some time. So that that's good to see there. I mean, we'll see how the the lineup continues to shake out over the next little bit. But to me, Nino is Nino is very similar to to Andrew Cop back in the day when Paul Maurice would put Cop on a line to like kick up, kick start, turbocharge some guys, get them going. I think Nino is going to be the new Andrew Kopp for the Winnipeg Jets um, in that front there. So that's pretty much it from the from the Sharks game. Uh, again, just a really, really disappointing loss. And why, like I mentioned earlier, it's so disappointing. Um, we have to touch on it quickly before we go. That Jets-Oilers game was borderline game of the season for, for Winnipeg. Um, but man, to... to to bounce back after having one of your worst performances of the season against Edmonton the night before, and for the Winnipeg offense to step up in an absolutely massive way, especially after going down early once again, that that was just a, a fun as hell game to watch. And I was hoping that would be the catalyst for you know a four or a five game win streak here. I guess it could be the catalyst for a point streak for the Winnipeg Jets. But um, what stood out to you in that? epic 80s style shootout against the Edmonton Oilers Saturday night. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was a super fun game. Jack Campbell kind of sucks. So that oh, <laughs> I, I I've now it's at the point where you feel bad for him, right? Yeah. He's he just, just he couldn't stop anything. And and every every single time there's he makes a save, it's an it's not routine. Like it's not it's an adventure. Like he's kicking pucks as hard as he can on rebounds. <laughs> it's just Nothing's going right for him. And you can just tell that this season's kind of just a throwaway. It's and hopefully he can bounce back next year, but we'll see. And but the other thing that kind of stood out to me and we talked about it, and it is a more of a pessimistic view, is the defense again. It's yeah, we they ended up scoring seven goals, but you gave up a lot too. And a lot of chances. It wasn't just the goals, it wasn't like they were just getting lucky breaks and the goals were coming. There were, the Oilers were getting a lot of chances throughout that game, and Hellebuck stood tall when it mattered most. But the, that's a kind of ongoing thing we're seeing with this team is that there's just kind of situations where the puck doesn't get out, the, someone's not getting back in time. There's just it's it's discipline, right? It's like a, sometimes it's just a lack of attention to the game details, and I feel like sometimes the guys get kind of lost in the game, and then you're thinking of something else. You're thinking of something that happened to you earlier in the period. And you're not necessarily 100% focused on the, the current play that's happening. And I think it's just, when playoffs come around, you can't be shelling out that many goals in a game, right? Like, it's just... I, I, I wouldn't, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's it was a fun game to watch. It did highlight a couple of glaring holes on this Jets team that they still have. Yeah, it was it was also one of those weird like you could tell early on it was like okay, it's going to be a race to 6 or 7. <laughs> like there's it's almost nothing you could do about it at this point. It's like let's just try to find a way to let's try to find a way to get to 6 or 7 first there. And yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I'm not going to say the Jets played good defensively or anything like that. Um, but Leon Dreisaitl also decided to turn into some combination of like Mike Bossy and Pavel Bure or something. I mean, the, the goals he's scoring is just out of this world. And that that backhand, it's pretty wild that that backhand move is the second best goal he scored on the weekend compared <laughs> to the the perfect snipe in, in Edmonton the night before that. But like the, the Oilers' big dogs came to play in a big way, and they were they, they they were really good. It's it's pretty rare that the Jets were able to withstand a night from those guys. Um, but in in a funny way too, you know, there was a lot of intrigue and question marks about the lineup decisions made by um, made by Rick Bonus leading into the game, namely being the Nate Schmidt healthy scratch, um, kind of you know coming out of left field in a little bit. But man, Kepa Bianco comes in and he's just been a stud for this team every time he's played so far this year. And then he unleashes a Leon Dreisaitl esque snipe in motion out there on the wing, not breaking stride. Uh, I mean, looks like it paid off. Schmidt, I thought, had a pretty good game against San Jose. Um, but it always helps too when the guy that you slot into the lineup for a uh, a questionable, risky decision steps up in a big way. But that, that, to me, is also a reason why I thought the Jets were going to trade Logan Stanley is that Kepa Bianco's been surprisingly good for the team this year. Yeah, and I harped on him a lot at the beginning of the year saying that I don't think you, that he should. You said he was the worst defenseman in hockey. Well, if you look at last year, I mean, that was with Arizona, but you look at some of the stats last year, and they, 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 you could make an argument, but this year it's not even close. You can like, make an argument. <laughs> but this year it's not even close. Like, he's been really valuable to this team as a guy who can step in and he's been better than Logan Stanley. Like he just has been. And now that's another guy that jumped them on the depth chart. And so you kind of start to see some of the writing on the wall there. And then it also makes you wonder, even in that Edmonton game the day before, you know, why was, why was Logan Stanley playing? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we could just, I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Like the dude, were, the his play hasn't warranted it. He requests a trade, kind of shows up his teammates, the coach of the management, and then he gets rewarded with a freaking game. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? And then he stunk up the joint too. So, I, barring injury, I don't imagine we see Logan Stanley wear a Winnipeg Jets jersey anytime soon because you're right. I mean, he is officially now eighth on the depth chart here. To, like, It's not even a decision to me whether you go Kappa Bianco or Stanley at this point. You clearly go with with Cal Capabianco, especially after the game he had against the Edmonton Oilers. Hopefully, it's not a decision for the Jets at all because the six they have are healthy and, and playing good hockey here. Um, especially because they're going to need them. Pretty uh, pretty rough stretch of games here for the club. Like so, so the six games they have, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, Tyson. Uh, so it starts against Minnesota, then you have the trip out east. So Minnesota, Florida, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Boston, Nashville. What's an acceptable is is three and three acceptable here? Or or do I, the Jets need to just buck up, find a way, and you know, go four and two in this stretch and, and solidify their spot? 
I, I mean, depends on how these games play out too, right? Like if they're going three and three and they're playing solid hockey and it's just a bad bounce goes their way, like I can understand that because these two these teams are good teams, very good teams, and it's going to be a battle. Like these these next couple of games are going to be battles. So if you're sticking in a lot of these games and it's really tight and it's just coming down to one bounce here or there, I think three and three is acceptable. If you're getting outplayed by these teams unacceptable right like if you're if it's a six game stretch where you're getting peppered and hellebuck's doing hellebuck things and you win games i don't think that's as as um yeah like you're 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 talking you're talking like you know substance over style here right right yeah yeah i I would agree with that you know i i'm not concerned i think the florida game is going to go pretty well for the jets i think for some reason they might they might be up for that one we're not going to see the same meltdown in sunrise that we have in the past um, but it's it's the Minnesota game to me, and the Tampa Bay Carolina ones that are going to define this this upcoming swing for the Jets. Um, if they can find a way to take care of business, go go two and one in that stretch, then I think they're going to have a pretty successful next week or so. If they don't, oh boy, alarm bells are going to happen. And I I didn't think this would be possible, but that game against Nashville might hold a lot of significance. Hopefully, it doesn't by that time. Um, but we'll see what happens here over the next stretch, and we'll see what happens. When we get back at it in our next episode to close out the week, that'll do it for us here. Thank you guys listening for another episode of skates and plates on the hockey podcast network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by once again. We'll be back at it Friday morning for sure. This time, no delays talking about the Winnipeg jets matchup Wednesday against the Minnesota wild and a look ahead to taking on Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers on Saturday night. Until then, enjoy the rest of your work week. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.